I want to welcome you to our midweek service, our Wednesday midweek service. Uh, we, we're, uh, we shifted from uh, Sunday, we shifted our Sunday teaching to Wednesday, which is Real Vision. So we're going to kind of extend that because uh, uh, coming up this Sunday, we'll be talking about uh, the vision for 2022. All right, so let's, uh, let's start here with Isaiah 118. We'll start with Isaiah 118. All right, it says here, it says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now, he opens up and says, Come, let us reason together. Uh, the, uh, I believe it's the New American Standard Bible. It says, Come now, let us debate your case. Uh, let us debate your case, or, or one man of God said it, state your case. God is saying, state your case. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall become white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Um, and so when I was uh, meditating through this, God was saying, he was like, okay, let's sit down. You know, you've made some choices. You've processed through a stage of life. I have a plan for not just your life, for life in general. All right, so there's, at times you've flickered and you've kind of harmonized with my plan or my vision. Uh, but for the most part, we have not been nowhere near God's vision. So God said, okay, so let's, you know, just like in anything else, he says, okay, state your case. State what you see, state what you think, state what you believe, state why uh, it's hard for you not to lock into my vision. Because God is saying, state your case, because my vision is real. He says, so, so it's okay. You know, you, you looking through a glass darkly, you see in part. But as I'm exposing my vision to you, just let me know why you uh, reflex in doing the same things you've been doing for a long time. Why do you put uh, uh, your goals before me? Why do you put money before you? Why, why do you put lust before me? Why do you put your family before me? Uh, just, just, just give me a, just fine. So, you know, just state your case. And then I'll explain to you what I have because what I have will cover the money, will cover, um, uh, will quench your thirst more than lust can. And I'll take care of your family. Actually, they're my family anyway. You're a steward, but you're acting like you're a lord. You're acting like there's something you can do to make sure your family members fulfill their purpose in life. Like your control. Like as if it's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to guide. It's your responsibility to offer. It's your responsibility to intercede. But I designed them for my purpose. And they have to go through their process. You went through a process. They have to go through a process. But I notice you'll get off of the wall to put your hands on your family. Because you don't trust my vision. I notice you'll, you'll, you'll abort your, what I told you to do to be faithful in my real vision 
so you can reap the harvest of your kids walking in real vision. You believe your might and your power can have more effect than yielding to my will, my purpose, and my plan. So another, another version of the scripture, I believe is message, it says, if you only let me help you, I'll make you rich. We're still locking in on Isaiah 118. And so if you only let me help you, I'll make you rich in every aspect of your life. I believe in what God is saying. He's saying, and God is saying, real vision sees abundance. Real vision sees abundance. Apologize. Uh, some of the beginning of this, you won't have um, the captions on the screen, so I'm just going to ask you to take notes because it's, it's audible. Um, you know, so, so, so we noticed from John 10, John 10, 10, it says, look, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly, right? And so God has been telling us in the last few weeks that life is in his real vision. So I came that you might have a real vision, and that real vision will cause you to experience life more abundantly, right? And so, so real vision sees abundance. That's the thing. When you, when you lock in the real vision, it sees abundance. A false vision sees scarceness. So false vision sees not enough, and it may every once in a while see just enough. But a false vision never sees more than enough. A false vision never sees more than enough. You know, that's why many are sowing sparingly. And when, I, and, and, and when the Lord says a lot of times we're sowing sparingly, he's not just talking about our trinkets, our money. He's talking about our time and our talent. See, 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 when a person starts to, to lose sight of real vision, they start to think that, that the little that they have is all they ever have, and they go into hoard mode. They go into hoard mode. They go into envy mode. They go into jealousy mode. Um, they go into selfish mode. And so what happens is, you know, if you think about when kids are young, they, they think scarce because they don't understand abundance. We're supposed to teach them that. And so that's why when the, when the other sibling's birthday comes around, they get bothered because they think it's only one birthday. And, and now, now they're being celebrated. So they're going to lose something. They, don't, they, they haven't learned that it's, plenty, it's enough for us to celebrate your brother or sister's birthday, and we can come right back around and celebrate your birthday. Now, now, again, I know I'm talking about kids and siblings, but the Lord was showing me this is how we've been operating in the body of Christ. Like, even when we come around vision, if that vision is moving and has momentum, if we think scarceness, we think, man, like, it, even though we participate in it, we don't give all of ourselves to it. Because we think if we give all ourselves to it, it's really going to pick up momentum. And then I'm going to be further behind. See, we're still playing off of ourselves. You know, if I share this thought, they may take this thought and convert it into a revelation on their platform. And then uh, they'll blow up. And I can't share nothing until I'm the one that blows up. Right? That's scarceness. We don't have real vision. We don't understand how this thing's how it works. So very few, very few of us have abandoned ourselves to another's real vision 
to find the treasure of our own vision from God. So, so, so God, you know, we, we know the scriptures, uh, be faithful, and that was just another man's got to give you your own. But God was showing me, I was, I was really talking to him. He said, Keith, look at this. He says, you watch and you see people for years, t- uh, 10, 15, 20 years, struggle, and I had exceedingly abundantly above all they could ask or think prepare for them, but I needed them to invest in another man's vision. I think, I think about this. I think about, I was sharing this with somebody recently, how sometimes we get into uh, idolization. And I was, I was sharing how, you know, like, and sometimes our family is our idol. God is not your God. Your family is your God. Like, you use all your energy and your effort to, to, to orchestrate what goes on with your family. Like, you try to control the outcome. You just won't let it flow. And so, so you know, we, we, we read all the scriptures. We serve in the kingdom. But we ain't letting go of that idol, right? And, and so some of it is lust. Some of it is family. Some of it is our job. Some of it is money. Uh, some of it is our hair, our looks, or whatever. But God... I notice when God is moving us to another level, he asked for that which has been, been our God. What did he do with Abraham? Abraham's thing was having a son. What did he ask for? The son. Abraham is, is considered the father of faith because he had to embrace real vision. He had to get past. See, 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 when he embraced real vision, he didn't think scarcity. In Abraham's mind, he had to say, well, God gave me this son. He can give me another one. But you ask for the son, you can have it. You see what I'm saying? He didn't get, he didn't get uh, tempted to put his hands on it. Nah, I, I, man, I waited a long time for this. Now, the rich young ruler went through the same test Abraham did. Only his son was his richest. He didn't pass the test. And so we got to ask us, you notice when you come to the kingdom, you got to give up something. Sometimes we give up what we're willing to let go. But are we really willing to give up what, 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 our, what, what our life is in? And, 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 and most people won't see it because you know what it is behind the scenes. And sometimes that's what the holdup is, okay? That, that wasn't in my notes. The Lord just uh, asked, asked me to share that, Okay. I'm sure that fits somewhere. All right, so let's look here at 1 Peter 4. We can get back on, on track. <laughs> so 1 Peter 4, verse 8, okay? 1 Peter 4, verse 8. And I'm glad God shifted real vision to Wednesdays because sometimes we can, uh, we can finish something. We can end something that's not finished. All right, this is definitely not finished. All right, so 1 Peter 4, verse 8, it says, And above all things, have fervent charity uh, among yourselves. Oh, let me just make sure I'm all right. Uh, that's not what I'm looking for. Oh, it's... Give me a second. That is not, I know that's not the scripture. 
All right, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm gonna let one of my people find it. I don't know how I did that, but it's uh, uh having the promise of the life that now is and is to come. Huh? Thank you. First Timothy four eight. Thanks, Joe. Had the four eight right, huh? <laughs> First Timothy four eight. Sorry about that, people. Let me get over there real quick. All right, First Timothy four eight. Uh, it says, uh, "For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness profiteth is profitable to all things." Having look uh, promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. All right, so 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 again, this promise or this vision of the life that now is, and the life to come. Um, and, and so what's so interesting is that the, the life now, the life now is involves giving ourselves away for others. So the life now is involved us giving ourselves away for others. You know, you think about when you're young and you and your families, you know, you're under what, tutors and governors to the point in time of the father, right? And you're, uh, even with, uh, in certain cultures, especially in the Jewish religion, bar mitzvah is there's a stage where your 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 family or your parents are accountable for your walk with God, right? But then when you when you cross over to bar mitzvah, you're responsible for your walk with God. Now what's happening is we we bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah that's male and female. So what's happening is you know even the, even in some of their cases they're not operating in the original design for bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah. Now is this a big party where you spend, you know, you get like million dollar cars and stuff like that. But that's not what it's about. It's like there's a shift that's taking place now. Now that child is accountability for their walk with God. So now what does accountability for their walk with God look like? So now they're responsible to, to get closer to God and embrace God's real vision for their lives. Right? Not your control of their lives. So some people don't want to let them go. So you're actually, you could be skewing their view because you're, you're trying to have them live out your vision for their lives, not their vision for their lives. God has a date. They got, right now, you guys, uh, the year's coming up. Hopefully, you know, you have a vision for next year. Your kids aren't dictating what that vision is. You are. So that means within your family, there was a vision for you as you were growing up. And at, and, and at one point, your vision was whatever they saw. My son is 43. He has a vision for his house, his life, and his choices. I'm interceding, praying for him, but I'm not dictating my son's vision. Keeping it real, he decided he wanted to play basketball. I never pushed him to play basketball. And when he decided he didn't want to play. But I asked him before he played, hey, is this what you want to do? I said, if it's what you want to do, I'll put you in position to do it. But it got to be what you want to do, not just because it's something I like to do. Right? Same thing with my grandson. 
you know, if he goes, sometimes he, he's up, sometimes he's down, it's on you. you whether you, you got to do what God has designed and purposed you to do. Now, you, you can see what they're supposed to do and offer them that direction, but you can't make choices for them. And you can't determine what their process is. I told my son at 28, I said, I ain't worried about you. And he wasn't doing nothing that, that I thought he should do. So I'm not worried about you. I'm praying for you. I went through my process and you're going through yours. I said, I started my life over at 28. I said, I'm living for God. I said, so who am I to say what your process is? Y'all still think I'm talking about my, son, my, my kids? Right? See, so, so, so this, he said yes. <laughs> I, I caught that. All right. So, that was pretty sweet there. I kind of like the way you did that. <laughs> so, so I guess yes, I am. <laughs> right. I'll yield to that. All right. And, and so the thing is, this transition of this life now is and in, in, in life to come. Right. And so the life now is, is, is just like your kids are submitting to whatever is going on, they're faithful in another man's, in your vision, in your house. But they're growing. If they do it right, they're going to dig deep into your vision, and what they're going to discover is th- the vision God has for their life. It's the same thing when, 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 we, when God sends us to a house, when God makes us a part of a business or whatever. What we're doing is we're, we're, we're investing in that vision. We're giving all that we have to that vision, and we discover ours. I'm not just saying this. I've lived this. And, and as you're growing, there's things that you can do that you're thinking you, can, you, you reserve for yourself. But you don't realize God gave you that. You, you think it's a coincidence he gave you that and you're a part of that, that, that vision? No, he gave it to you to give. But we, we sit back, like we be rolling, and, and, and why you're supposed to, oh, this, this, gets on, this gets on your nerves. I already know that now. So you grow in your household, and you have a vision for the house. Kids aren't ready for their vision yet. They're what? Participating in the vision of the household. But they have a whole other vision. Hang out with whoever, kick it with whoever, uh, get some crazy job that's not a job. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you know how the kids be doing. You know, they just be, yeah, uh, 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 this person's going to make me a movie star. And then they go somewhere, and really the person ain't maybe trying to trick them into porn or something, right? Well, you're frustrated, right? You know why? Because you're like, whoa, no, 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 what are you doing? You, you're, you're crashing the actual vision. You, you, you're not seeing clearly. Well, they can't see real vision yet because they haven't committed to the, the vision that's before. And, and I'm not just talking about young kids. This is what's going on in our lives now. So then when now we, we, we now, when we... We get to a point where we're so blind from real vision, now we, 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 make, we do make believe. We go back to being kids. We make believe. We pretend. We pretend we're enjoying a relationship. We pretend this person is really legit. We pretend what we're doing is the right thing. We just, we just pretend. And then we play. We're, we're actors now. Hey, how you doing? I'm wonderful. Oh, everything is great. Because now you want everybody to know that these choices I'm making is the right decisions. So now you got you to gotta play it up, right? Hey, I, oh, man, ever since I made that move, man, mo- best move ever made. Now you sitting at the house, no good and well, that ain't a good move. Well, hey, 
How you doing? You ever been around somebody and you're like, something ain't right. Something ain't not genuine. You know what that is? It's make-believe now. It's make-believe. And, and we don't have to go through all that, right? So this life, this, 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 this life now is involves giving ourselves away um, for others. The life to come is the real vision reward. The real vision reward. You give yourselves away to real vision and you tap into the real vision reward, right? And, and so what we, what we want to do in this process is avoid being hearing and vision impaired, right? And, and and so since we're talking about real vision, don't take the ability to process for granted. Don't take the ability to process for granted. See, sometimes like, because like, think about it. There's stages in our life where we see well. Then we, we allow all these other things in our life, uh, these lusts, these challenges, all these different things in our life, and it, it, it short circuits our vision. Hey, what is depression? Depression is... What I do see, I, I, I don't think I can handle no more, and it starts to weigh me down. That's a person that's lost sight of real vision. If all you can see is circumstances, you're in trouble because circumstances are temporary and they're, they're attacks, they're diversions. They're, they are not reality. Reality is the real vision God has for you, right? And see, so, so we can't take the ability to process for granted. And this, this, this ability to process, see, the ability to visualize is what this is. The ability to visualize what God is doing. The ability to, to visualize what God is doing. Do you understand? If you, if you can maintain that, you're unstoppable. The ability to, to visualize what God's doing. Let's go here to Romans 12. Familiar scripture, but I think it'll make a lot more sense. Um, I don't know if it'll make a lot more sense, but it'll, 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 it'll make some, some new angles of sense. Um, uh, I was talking to James recently. It was one of his favorite scriptures. He has a good way of processing this. But Romans 12, 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, look, that you present your, bo- that you present your bodies, what? A living sacrifice. And so that's not a sacrifice in the moment. I li- I'm, this is how I live. Uh, uh, Pastor Mel was talking, uh, well, I was referencing Pastor Mel. I'm going to reference it again in a few minutes, but lifestyle change. So I'm, 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 my lifestyle change is I'm living as a living sacrifice. Look, holy, acceptable unto God. Holy, which, which see, we, we kind of skip over that word. If I'm living as, as a living sacrifice, I'm not living to do what I want, make mistakes, and excuse the mistake as nobody's perfect. What's, where is sacrifice involved in that? I'm doing whatever. I'm not trying to line up with God's vision. I'm just doing whatever. And each time I blow it, hey, hey, listen, nobody's perfect. But I'm going in with the mindset of what? Nobody's perfect. Am I going in with the mindset of trying to be holy? trying to be whole. Remember, we talked about the whole picture. Am I going in with that mindset? It says, holy, acceptable unto God. So, so it, it's, it's not just holy. Am my choices acceptable unto God? Hey, hey, am I, is my parenting choices acceptable unto God? 
Is my job choices acceptable unto God? Is my husband and wife choices acceptable unto God? Nobody's perfect. That means I'm not going to do what's acceptable unto God? Right? I just, let's keep going. It says, uh, it says, which is your reasonable service? That means the least you can do. So at our least, we're living as a living sacrifice. How we stay locked into that, how we embrace that, the levels in which we stick and stay may be different, but the least we can do is present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Bottom line, man, okay, man, you know, bare minimum. I can only give you the bare minimum. Oh, so you're going to present yourself as a living sacrifice. That's bare minimum, right? Let's go verse 2. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, look, what is the good, and it, is, it, it advanced from good, acceptable and perfect will of God. Good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The Amplifier says his plans and purposes for you. And I, I want to read this by F.B. F. Myers. It's, you know, just, uh, I, I just like the way he broke this down. It says, uh, uh, when the scripture says, let me see, I beseech you, therefore, right? He says, when the scripture says, therefore, uh, my former uh, pastor used to say, you want to find out what it's there for, Right? And so it says, therefore, links this practical, practical appeal to the whole of the sublime argument, which reaches its climax in the previous chapter, like in, uh, this, when it was talking about salvation and different things like that in Romans chapter 11. It says, it says, it is easier to die once for God than to live always a surrendered life. So remember we talked about a Sunday. This is what I was referencing, how... Some of us really need to go through that first, the first death to, to accept Jesus, the first death to commit to marriage, the first death to say, Lord, I'm going to surrender my life. Oh, whoo! Like, think about it. Remember when you first said, said you was going to surrender your life? You was going through so much, and then you said, well, I, I'm giving this to you, God. You weren't thinking about your vacations. You weren't thinking about... Uh, uh, rendezvous with family, you wasn't thinking about lust, you was just like, hey, you knew when you said that word surrender, because it was hard to surrender at all, it was hard for you to get up and walk down that aisle, but you knew as soon as you used the word surrender, my life about to change. This is not going to be in my convenience. You remember that? I get some amen. You remember that, right? What happened? See, so see, what happened to the total surrender? What happened to not justifying the lack of surrender with the excuse of, yeah, but I'm doing this right now. Yeah, but I got to do this right now. Well, surely this, this, this situation over here is a crisis, and me going to be there for the crisis is bigger than God getting there ahead of me. Right? Just, just help me out here. All right, so it says... It's easier to die once for God than to live always the surrender life. But nothing so pleases God as daily surrender. The sacrifice and yielded will tie, uh, the sacrifice and yielded will, will be tied by cords to his altar. Tied, locked in. 
It's, it's not an option not to be in God's presence. Such an attitude is the only reasonable one we can assume. If, if God be all we profess to believe, he is worthy of all we are. But we are reminded that the world is ever seeking to mold us to its will. And we need the renewing grace of the Holy Spirit that we may withstand its baleful influence, the world. We need to be transformed, that is, transfigured by renewing of our mind. Please, God, and you will be pleased with the will of God. Right? And, 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 and when he said that, I just thought it was powerful because it reminded me of what we were talking about Sunday, Pastor Mel's lifestyle change. Because you go through the initial pain of even committing to the change. But do you understand when you commit to change? The day you commit, there's a litany of things that's ready to come up. But when they come up, you go, oh, surely I, gotta, I, I can't stay committed to this change because this came up. In your mind, it came up as an interruption. It was already coming up. When you committed to change your eating habits, hey, Christmas was coming, Thanksgiving was coming, New Year's was coming, and the party was coming, the vacation was already coming. It didn't just show up. When you commit it, Lord, no matter what, I'm going to be locked into you. And then a family member that's not living for God does something, and you shift everything you're doing to harmonize with their will at the expense of God's will. And you tell yourself it's okay because you say, I love them. But, but love does what's best, not what's convenient for you. But that was the, the, the possibility of them making a choice that wasn't going to harmonize with your commitment was already taking place. Because when you made the commitment, they weren't in the room. You didn't say, I'm about to make this commitment. Now you're going to change your life, right? No, you said you were making a commitment. They didn't commit. They're doing what they want to do until they realize they need to embrace real vision. But they're not going to embrace real vision if you keep conveniencing their false vision, making it comfortable for them to live in their false vision, and then excusing it to, uh, that's just my baby, I'm going to do whatever. That's not what God said. He asked Abraham for his son. He, the Bible says if you give up, uh, what is it? Houses, mothers, fathers, sisters, and brothers for the Lord's sake. That's what it says you shall receive what? A, a, a hundredfold uh, now and this time and the time to come. Why is that in the Bible? In red letters. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm almost positive it's in red letters. Mark. Chapter 4. End of the chapter. <laughs> right? And so, 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 so I'm saying it's not, not as... Not as a, a, a reprimand, but of a realization. Because God does not want us to go into 2022 and not embrace real vision. Because the, the thing is, false vision has a, has, a, has a shelf life. Normally it shows up and we call it, man, I'm going through stuff now. But you was about to go through that anyway. You know why? Because you're not in reality. So eventually... What is, the Bible says, everything in the, that's hidden shall be revealed, right? So, so false vision has some, is hiding something, right? <laughs> so eventually that's going to come to the surface. 
So it's not, it's not like, you know, as we've grown through our life or I've grown through my life, stuff pop up, man, I don't even be complaining. I'll be like, God been t- trying to talk to me to shift that the whole time. I've been pretending. I guess pretend is up. <laughs> and then I got to embrace it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't be like going to go, Isaac, man, I'm just going through. No, I'm not. I'm not going through. I'm waking up if I, if, if I embrace it. You see what I'm saying? Like, instead of just going, ah, you know, I ain't been doing right, man. Yeah, let, hey, let's, let's try on, like, new philosophies instead of nobody's perfect stuff. How about this? Man, I ain't been doing right, man. I've been tripping. I know I've been tripping, and I'm about to change today. You know what I'm saying? How, how about this one? This is a good one. You got me, God. You got me. Hey, look, look. I'm really going to surrender. You got me. I, I, I know I couldn't get around you. But I was just testing it. You know, like your kids, you know, you, know, you bust them out all the time, but then they be trying you. You, you ever see, like, like, you know, I'm, I'm older now, so I got grandchildren. You know, so, you know, you trying or, or when the little kids come around, uh, remember uh, uh, Mondale, you can't call him little Mondale now because he's 6'4", but when he was little, I said, all right, don't touch that. So I'm doing something, and he did like this. So, so it was like, don't touch this. Stay, stay away from that. So he did like this. This kid's like two. And then he did like this. Just did like, okay, are you paying attention? If, if I can just go like this. Like he, he didn't mess with nothing. He was just like, let me see if I can just get away with this. If I can get away with this, then I'm going to advance to uh, ascertaining what I really want. And I was like, what did I just tell you? Didn't cry nothing, just like, <laughs> no, you know what he's really saying? You got me, you got me. I was just saying, man, I know you told me not to, but hey, hey, c- come on, man, you can't be mad. Come on, come on, Grandpa, you can't be mad, man. Get, I was just trying. I think we need to do that with God. Hey, God, might need a little mercy on this one. I, t- I knew better, but I was just trying. How about that as opposed to nobody's perfect? Was you trying to judge me? Why are we going through all that? You ain't got to go through all that. You know. We know. Can I get some hands? Even out there on TV night, we know, right? Maybe we can just all say it together. God, you got me. <laughs> See, did that feel bad? That, that, that was okay, right? Uh, some people don't. Some people gonna have to get got before they say that, right? Because <laughs> they're still in denial, right? All right, so <laughs> right. All right. So this. So so as we were talking about this lifestyle change, this lifestyle change is really is not just having that initial pain, but it's actually living a surrendered life, right? Um. And so so I, I said this Sunday, but I was, I was meditating on this. Are we going to die once at the beginning of the new year just to live an unsurrendered life the rest of the year? Because, you know, you got your resolution, man, I'm doing this, whatever this is. I don't know what it is. Could be reading more, could be uh, cutting out the biscuits. I don't know what it is. But just to live unsurrendered, right? Because that's what's happening with, most, with a lot of Christians. Because you be asking yourself, it's like, pressure keeps claiming Christian, but... 
might be a little stretch, like you ain't doing nothing righteous, right? But what it is is they, they went through that initial death of, I'm going to accept Jesus. And they figured, hey, I'm good. I don't need to be a disciple or nothing. I just, I'm just riding that out. And, and they look at you like, you know, God knows my heart, and they don't know God really does know their heart and know that they're in denial. They don't know their heart. And then they go, you know, hey, how are you to determine, to, to determine my walk with God? That's between me and God. Your walk with God is between you and God as far as, you know, maybe God's assessment of what's happening, but his effect is on all of us. You're a part of the body. You're not alone. You've been called to the body. So if you are not obedient, it's affecting all of us. <laughs> Are you kidding me? All creates way for the manifestation of the sons of God. So anyway, so with that in mind, we were talking about clarity helps us to know, um, to see real vision or God's will. Let's go here, Ephesians 5. Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 5. I want a little couple different things. All right, so Ephesians 5, it says, wherefore, be not, well, okay, I'll just read because I like reading these scriptures here. Um, wow. I'm trying to figure where to start. Wow. All right, I'll, <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Um, all right, so let me see. Where can I start? I can start the whole chapter. Um, all right, I'm going to start at verse 8. I'm sorry, verse 6. It says, let no man deceive you with... I know I can start at the beginning, but I'll just start here. Let no man deceive you with vain words uh, for... For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. So, so God does utilize his wrath. Verse 7, be not ye therefore partakers with them. It says, for ye were sometimes, <clears throat> you were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, you know, embrace the real vision. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, right? Expose them is what they're saying. It says, for it, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. You know, that's that false vision. Verse 13, it says, but all things that are reproved or exposed are made, look, manifest by the light. For, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light, right? It says, wherefore he saith, awake, awake, right? Come out of that stupor, thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Real vision. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, intentional, not as fools, but as wise. Look, redeeming the time, maximizing your moments, 
because the days are evil, right? Wherefore, be not unwise, look, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And it talks about being not drunk with wine, right? And under, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So Pastor Mel was teaching um, uh, about the will of God, and she made this statement, the will of God is the word of God and our obedience to it. The will of God is the word of God and our obedience to it. Let's look here. Uh, well, I'll just give it to you. First Peter 2.15. It says, for so is the will of God that you should put to silence men with well-doing. See, so, so, so and when I'm operating in real vision, I'm shutting up all the naysayers and all the critics by my well-doing, right? So I'm not shutting down my, my well-doing. is supposed to have an impact on people, right? Uh, Hebrews uh, 13, 20 through 21, I'll just give it to you. It says, it talks about making you perfect to his will. Perfect to his will. 2 Timothy 2, 21 talks about us being ready for special purposes being ready for special purposes. And we read this scripture uh, on Sunday at the end, 1 Peter 2, 9. Uh, I'm going to read this. Uh, I'll be going so fast sometimes I didn't write down the version. But it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 11. A consecrated nation, a special people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies, the wonderful deeds and virtues and perfections of him who has called you, look, out of darkness into his marvelous light. Called us out of darkness, that's that false vision, into his marvelous light. That's the real vision. It says, uh, verse 10 says, once you were not a people at all, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. It says, beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world, it says, abstain from sensual urges so those dishonorable desires that wage war against the soul who enlist enemy soldiers against themselves. So he says, abstain from things that's going to fight against real vision, right? Uh, I heard one man of God say this, a, a perfect Christian, because we say, yeah, nobody's perfect. But a perfect Christian is one who knows he needs Christ. See, when we, see, see this is the thing. When we, when we think of perfection, we think of uh, uh, not making mistakes. But, but perfect has the, uh, the underlining meaning of maturity and complete. So a complete, so nobody's complete? So, so this is the thing. Nobody's complete by themselves, but you complete in Christ. You see what I'm saying? So, so, so as long as I'm in Christ, and long as I know I need Christ, I can walk as a perfect Christian. I can't walk as a per perfect Christian in my own strength. But, but my perfection is I know I need him. And I live every day like I need them, and I don't stop needing them because I, because I do some things well. I know Scripture now. I understand some Scripture now. 
I pray for somebody and, they, 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 and, and, and the Lord healed them. So, so I'm not resting in the fact that there's, you know, some people are still riding off the first time God used them for healing. And 10, 20 years went by and it's been at least three or four or five, six, 7,000 people that could have been healed if they wasn't in their own. See, the first time God used them, they wasn't going, hey, 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 Isaac, come over here so I can heal you. They weren't doing that. They were just like, man, this person needs healing. They prayed, Lord, please help me. The person got healed. So how did the person get healed? They knew they needed Christ. And do you think after the person got healed, they didn't need Christ no more? For the person to, to heal somebody else? Before they healed, before the person got healed, did they say, oh, I heal folks? No. So it doesn't change when God uses you to heal folks. It doesn't change when God uses you to speak a powerful word and folk get saved. You're not the super saver, or we're not the super saver. None of us are. But that's not to walk around telling Isaac, you ain't the super saver. That ain't my job either. You see what I'm saying? Like, like we're, we're looking for ways to measure and to qualify people as opposed to looking for ways to yield to Christ. Take all that energy that you're looking to judge and assess where people are to be envious and jealous and use all that energy to be in Christ. You got energy to spare for all this other nonsense? They think they're all that. You got energy to be doing that? How about you being all that in Christ? And then does people have to be less than to be valuable to you? They can't keep growing in God. God can't do brilliance through them and you celebrate it. But it's almost like, like we're, we're cheating Christ from, from his full power. Some of us are afraid to use full power. Isaac's operating full power. Instead of me going, I'm going to get there. I'm going to press in. I'm going to pray. I'm going to intercede for him. I'm going to help him until that, till that anointing drops on me. But instead of that, man, he all right. And then it, then it seemed like everything he touched is brilliant. But instead of saying, now that's God working right there. It's like, well, you know, he think he, well, how's he supposed to think? He's supposed to be happy. He starts smiling, you sad. And st- what is this not happy because other people are happy? They're in Christ. The joy of the Lord is their strength. What are they supposed to do? Walk around sad? They're in a great relationship. See, mm, look, think they're cute. I don't know what they think, but I know they're happy that they're in a great relationship that God gave them. If you were God, you gave them a great relationship. You don't want to be happy? You want them to, uh, to, to disrespect God's gift and be like, God, it's all right, because I don't want them to think that I'm happy. That's how we're doing it. So I'm going to tell you right now, there's already things breathing on my life at a tremendous rate, and I've seen some more things breathing. You just got to be mad because I'm going to be happy. If not now, when? <laughs> I'm about to be 60. <laughs> like, like, are you serious? 
If not now, when? Like, I have not done well with receiving from God. I have not done great with it. You know. I mean, I, you know. Because I don't want nobody else to look bad. Man, please. I'll get myself together. All right? I'm talking about me. So we must fight to stay in spiritual sight, right? And so, so we, remember, I just understand, like, sometimes you, when, you, when you, you got people are hearing in prayer, they don't process right, right? And so the hearing in prayer very often are subject to what we call misunderstanding, right? They miss an understanding. When you hear an prayer, most arguments are misunderstanding. We miss something, and then when you find out you miss something, pride can go. Well, you was just tripping. You ain't say it right. No, you weren't paying attention, right? So, so hearing impaired is tough. The visually impaired they deal with blind spots. Where the hearing impaired misunderstanding, the 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 visually impaired have blind spots, like they're missing things they're supposed to see, right? They can't see what's right next to them. When you're visually impaired, you don't have real vision, there's stuff right next to you, there to bless you, you can't see it. Right? That's why the scripture says in Matthew 13, 9, if anybody has ears, look, let them hear. Let's look here at Matthew 13 real quick. Matthew 13. Because he's been talking to us for a long time, uh, trying to get us to, 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 to see there's one scripture that says they, was, they heard to the point of seeing. They, 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 they understood so much. Like, like think about it. Somebody really breaks something down to you the right way, you see it. Right? Like, what do you say? I see what you're saying. Look, look, look. Listen to the statement. I see what you're saying. But the person's talking, you're hearing. You hear to the point of seeing. Right? But, but. Think about how we are in, 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 in this culture now. We've let people tell us, well, you know, people got a short attention span. And then we go, I got a short attention span. Because that excuses me from what? Hearing. To a point of seeing. I need to see. I can't just blow it off. You know, well, you know, I never really was a, a school person. We all school people. We... We, we've been learning since we got here in life. Some of it's been in classroom and some of it's not, but we're constantly learning. We're constantly reading technology and stuff like that. Man, if you don't, hey, keep, keep excusing hearing and seeing. That's a dangerous thing. Look here, uh, Matthew 13. Don't keep doing that. I'm going to take that sound bite. Pastor said, keep excusing. <laughs> it's not what I meant. All right, so Matthew 13, 9, it says, who has ears to hear, let him hear, right? And then if you drop down here to verse 15, it says, for this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. Look, and their eyes have closed, lest at any time they should see real vision with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. It says, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Right? 
And see, see, so ears dull of hearing and eyes closed. So your ears are dull of what you want God to say. So you can't hear the truth of what he's actually saying. When your ears get dull, you only hear what you want him to say, not the truth, what he's actually saying. You're free through the truth. When we don't shut down our noise, now we've talked for a long time about the noise. We're not talking about the noise now. We're talking about our noise. What we've conjured up in our mind, we don't shut down our noise, right, is dangerous. Some of us have never lived in truth, clear vision in our life. And, and listen to what I just, listen, not what I just, what the Holy Spirit is trying to communicate. Some of us have never seen. And so it's understandable that we're somewhat frustrated because we're not living in reality. It's so easy. Think about it. We train, little girls are trained, uh, uh, play the princess, fairy tale, stuff like that. Guys are trained to, to be in the fantasy world. I told you, young man, he's a solid, solid, I think he's in business. Not, he's in athletics now. But when I had him in, uh, might have been kindergarten, first grade, and he would, uh, we'd be in line, and the next person had to do whatever the drill was, but he'd be back there, dun, 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 dun. like, yeah, and he had no sword or nothing in his hand, but he was like, dun, 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 dun. And I was like, David, 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 come back, man, come back, man. Like, but he was just in his own world, right? And you live right now, or, or not live with, but you're around people, you know they're not in reality. <clears throat> they're in their own world. And sometimes we, we, we focus on things enough where it becomes our reality, but it's not reality. And we can live in this false reality for 10, 20, 30. Some people die. Miles Monroe says uh, there's a lot of purpose in the grave. But really, there's a lot of real vision in the grave because people never saw it. They died in a lie. And God doesn't want us to do that. That's why he's been challenging us. Look, 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 look here, Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64, we'll lock in on verse five, 4. Verse 4. It says, for since the beginning of the world, since the beginning of the world, it says, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither has I seen, O God, beside thee, what he has prepared for him that waiteth for him. It says, uh, thou meeteth him that rejoices and worketh righteousness. Those thou meeteth him that rejoices and worketh righteousness. That's real vision. Those that remember thee in thy ways, behold, thou art wroth. For we have sinned in, in those, we have sinned in those is, we have sinned in those is continuance and we shall be saved. So, so, so what he's saying is like very few people have really locked in to be able to process God's real vision. So we've, we've kind of lived in deception. Um, we haven't seen what God's prepared for the righteous that waiteth on him. See, when I have real vision, remember, you don't operate in scarceness. You operate in abundance, so you're patient. What, 
Sit down with somebody in abundance. They ain't in no rush. They ain't hungry or desperate. They're not thirsty. Right? And they're, they're, they're patient, so they don't have to jump to compromise all the time thinking, well, I'm just going to take this little pleasure because this might be the only pleasure I'll ever have. Well, I'm just going to lock into this relationship because this is probably the only person that ever liked me. That's false vision. God, God fearfully and wonderfully made you. There's not a, a, a person that's not beautiful or special in this world. And God has customized someone suitable for that person, but nobody waits on God's vision and who he sends to help. We just do what we want to do. And then we just kind of stay in that denial all our lives, right? You know, this locks into the Scriptures. No, I have not seen or ear have heard nor have entered into the heart of the man the things that God has prepared for us, right? First, first Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. Isaiah 6, 9 says, ears that can't hear, understand, eyes that can't see, perceive, right? Mark 4, 11, 12, another version of the Scripture says, the ungodly or the blind have eyes but don't perceive. They don't see what God's doing. People that don't live godly don't see what God's doing. So is, is, is it as much about, see, oh, remember we said this. So you got this contrast, right? The divide word. We were talking about the difference between grace and the law, right? And we were saying how this culture is saying, oh, we're under grace now, we're now under the law. And they're saying the law, period. But it's no, you're not under the ceremonial law. So, so all the little ritual, like we don't have to kill lambs. Like, like we don't have to. We don't have to have a barn full of lambs and every time we sin, show up with lambs. Christ died for that. We're under the grace of Christ, so we don't have to do the things for atonement ceremonially that we did before. But we still have to live the moral law. So, so I said that to say, when, when, when you start to process through this, people are, are cheating themselves because they don't see what God is doing and, and they're, 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 people are living ungodly or excusing ungodliness because of this, this false perception of what God is doing and not and cheating themselves with staying in harmony with God and getting all God has planned for them. See, so, so, so we come in this life, we all have blind spots, right? So blind spots do what? It creates what? Um, uh, this stuff missing. There's stuff you can't see. So how that plays out in our life, that's when we don't know what to do or the uncertainty starts to squeeze us a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, right, but the answers are in the vision. The answers are in the vision to any blind spots you have when you can see. So I said this, to, going back to the whole grace and the ritual thing, the whole, even the whole flow with uh, how we live this life as Christians. So it's either the people that says, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to live right, and right is I'm going to do all the, what I think is the godly things. Then you have the people that says, don't take all that, and they just way out here doing craziness. And then so when somebody starts to tell you what God's vision, his plan is, we go, well, don't judge me. Nobody's perfect, but we're saying that based on what? Nobody's perfect in terms of 
if I dotted my I's, crossed my T's, if I wore sackcloth and ashes for, you know, every day of this week or what have you. How about this? How about everything is trying to teach, to get us to a place that we can see? Now, whether we smoke, drink, get in lust, become envious, jealousy, get in the pride, start hating, it may not be breaking any, any grace laws, but it's affecting your ability to see. How about righteousness is p- putting you in a position where you can see what God is doing? And there's no one that sees clearly what God's doing that's not going to want to stay in harmony with his will. Nobody. You, you, you ever live life where you say, I don't want to know? I don't think this is the part. Do you, I, I don't think you want to attach God's will to that. Because we live that life, well, I, I don't want to know, so I'm not really accountable if I don't know. Okay, let's say if you're not accountable, you're affected if you don't know. That's where that depression came from. That's where the frustration comes from. All right? So, 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 when, when the Scripture says we're under tutors and governors to the point in time of the Father, that's what it's saying, like that, that you're, you're under training to learn how to see and stay locked in. In the midst of every level of attention. See, you just, because you're teaching real vision, you're just trying to, to, to uh, allegorically uh, form the scriptures to say that. The Bible says the God of this world, little g, blinds the minds of men through unbelief. He could do anything he wants. Why is he trying to blind us? And if you think God doesn't have a counter to the blindness, he, look at everything the adversary does. And you can bring it all back to trying to blind us. When they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he's trying to blind them from the heaven realm. Because they couldn't, if you're around God, you're going to see clearly what God's doing. You can believe for all spiritual blessings in heavenly places because you're looking right at them. Remove heaven realm, and it's like, did I see something? Did I? Now you start making decisions based on what you see and what you have, which ain't enough. You don't make decisions based on what God has. You base decisions based on what you can control. Not all spiritual blessings in heavenly places because you can't see them. So it's not just pastor keep making up something. Go through the Bible and you'll see it. You'll see how everything and, and, and now the world bent the living righteous to uh, some type of rule of, you know, did you open the door or did you close the door? Well, see, you didn't close the door, you're going to hell. How about I'm fighting the sea? That changes the whole outlook. Whether I'm smoking, drinking, and stuff, if, if, if I know it's important for me to see, listen, I have glasses because it's important for me to see. It's important for me to see. I leave the house and go back home and get my glasses because it's important for me to see. Because I need to see. Well, guess what? I have glasses because it's important for me to see. I go back home and get my glasses because it's important for me to see. I'm at the gym with my glasses because it's important for me to see. I'm meditating day and night because I need to see. I stop doing stuff because I have to see. Whole nother angle. All right, that's, that's enough for today.